The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. That's all you need to know. That's all you get, baby. <laughs> That's enough for you. It's more than I'm, most people can handle. I am more significant than my lack of writing jobs. Are you a, <laughs> can entail. Are you a significant or a significant? Wait, what? I don't know. Anyway, this week on Cancel Too Soon, a bit of a change of plans. Uh, we were originally going to be doing a uh, double punch of American Gothic, the failed TV series, followed by American Gothic, the failed TV series. And here's the thing. That's a long show. The American Gothic from 1995, which we, we were going to cover first, uh, was a one-hour program that la- ran 22 episodes, and uh, that's hard to fit in a week. Yeah, uh, we, we, we came close, but we realized if we were going to get an episode in on time, we were going to have to do some finagling. But next week, get excited, because we've got a TV show produced by Sam Raimi, starring Sarah Paulson and Gary Cole as an and, evil satanic sheriff, and it's and a it's a thing. The, the guy from Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, when he was like... 13 yeah and he looks really familiar I couldn't I couldn't place him where have I seen that kid before wait a minute that's the guy who grew up and started Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. There you go. So uh, it, that's going to be a lot of fun to cover. I'm excited about it. I was a huge fan of that show when it was on. Uh, but uh, yeah, we needed to do something for this week. And so we decided to do a show that we've been wanting to do for a long time for reasons that actually aren't actual things, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, We're going to talk about a failed pilot for a sci-fi series called, depending on what, if you look it up online, it's it's one thing. If you look it on the actual show, it's another. If you look it up online, it's Badlands 2005. If you look at the actual show, it's 2005, colon, Badlands. Either way, it's a Mad Max knockoff. They mixed it up. It's a Mad Max knockoff directed by George Miller, and uh, and it you takes can place see, in the post yeah, yeah, and, and it, it has feels George Miller it has the George Miller vibe. It has the really wild cars and all the shots of like cars sliding through dirt and mm-hmm. like on their sides after being flipped over. Lots of cool car stunts. Lots of uh, post apocalypse uh, Mad Max gangs throwing mm-hmm. like sticks of dynamite and stuff, and and cool new stuff too, like you know uh, cyborgs and yeah, uh, it, yeah, it it it's a real hoot to look at. It looks like what happens like after like. Megaforce Two ends on a on a bad cliffhanger, and they cut to like twenty years in the future, <laughs> and like things have gone real bad, and like now we're at two thousand and five Badlands. Um, the good guys always win, even in two thousand five. Uh, maybe not. 
maybe not. Things aren't going too well in 2005. It's after the apocalypse. Well, it's it's after parts of the apocalypse. So it's it has, a semi-apocalypse. The, the whole world hasn't been wiped out, but the coasts have. There's a, a really horrendous drought has wiped out large swaths of America. And people have gathered in urban centers, because that's the only place to go to get water anymore. Water is very, very valuable. And uh, our hero is a marshal named, uh, was it Cameron Macbeth? Something, something Macbeth. <laughs> Jackson Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Hamlet Macbeth is his name. Yeah. And uh, Hamlet Macbeth. Fist pump Macbeth. <laughs> uh, Mar- his name is Marshall Garson with a G. Macbeth. Marshall Garson Macbeth. I think we're going to keep renaming by, him throughout, throughout the show. Play, Garson, I don't know, Garson Macbeth is pretty great. Sounds like no, an anagram not. of something. <laughs> uh, My Socrates Macbeth. <laughs> uh, and he's played by Perfect Tommy from Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, Lewis Smith, uh, he was also, uh, he had a small role in Wyatt Earp, the uh, Kevin Costner version. He also co-starred in a failed pilot I've been trying to track down, for the man who fell to Earth from 1987. Okay. They've been recently talking about how they were going to do the man who fell to Earth as a TV series, and people are like, "Oh my God, how could they do that? How could they possibly do this TV series?" And I'm like, "I don't know. They tried it in 1987. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to track down. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna do my best, but I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's terrible. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, it didn't last. But then again, the whole premise we, of our podcast is sometimes the things that don't last are good. Oh, if we find it, we're, we're doing it. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. It'd be uh, weird if we found it and didn't do it. And Garson Macbeth, Garson fist-punk motorcycle, uh, has a a robot sidekick. Yeah! Post-apocalypse robot sidekick. I wish we'd known about this when we... uh, I didn't know about that aspect of the show Mm. when we did our Cops with Robot Partners month a couple years ago. Mm. Uh, But yeah, he is a cop in the future, and he's got a robot partner. They call them cyborgs. They're not cyborgs. Well, he does say that parts of him were once human, and I'm not sure. And they don't ever go into detail. Well, eventually he loses all of his skin, and I'm like, what? Is it his brain? Like, I can't. But no, it's not because <clears throat> they talk about how he was programmed to have feelings, yeah. and I don't but think any as part a, of him is human. Maybe it's like bits of like human brain, like to to embed the information inside. Yeah, I I think uh, that that happens is you can build the perfect like human exoskeleton mm. and like nervous system, but. Got to have that original spleen. There you go. Something to to keep everything together. So whatever, he has some sort of human part, but they don't specify what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on the outside, he's played by Miguel Ferrer. Yay! Uh, Wonderful actor, Miguel Ferrer. Sadly, uh, appears too often on Cancel Too Soon, because he was on Bionic Woman, Uh and he was on uh, Justice League, you Mm -hmm. said. The live-action Justice League. The live-action Justice League. He was on... uh, on the air. Mm-hmm. Fantastic David Lynch mm. sitcom, which we reviewed very early on in our podcast and was very much canceled too soon. <laughs> um, and, and other times Bizarre, well. bizarre series. We keep running into him. He's a reliable character actor. He's always great in everything. You know him from Twin Peaks and a bunch of other mm. great stuff. Um, yeah, and he plays the robot sidekick in this. He's vaguely human. Like, he, he has feelings. Mm. Well, but they're he, programmed feelings. He, they, they, he says, you know, I have feelings, yeah, but they're programmed feelings. He always looks a little bit, a little bit hurt, yeah, <laughs> by how how roughly people treat him. He, he reminds me a little bit of K two S O from, uh, mm. uh, oh, from uh, the Star Wars movie, yeah, Rogue One, a oh, Star yeah, Wars yeah. story, where uh, you know he's he's a robot, but he he's miffed that people treat him differently because of it. 
Like, I get it, I'm a robot, but you don't have to be a dick about it. You're a robot, you're a piece of equipment, we bought you. Shut up! (laughs) Dude! I love that exchange in uh, in uh, Interstellar. It's one of um, where they have they have their robots, and the robots are sassy robots, and the mm-hmm. robots look like monoliths. Oh, I love those robots. And there's yeah, there's one where they they start making a joke, and so the humans are sort of just very casually talking about let's let's reduce their sense of humor by forty percent. Just joking around so much. Um, so our hero has a robot partner named Rex, and their boss, and this is cool, uh, their boss is uh, played by a young Sharon Stone. Uh, this was, this show aired in 1988. Yeah, 1988. It aired, it did end up airing on ABC. It was a failed pilot for ABC. It aired on August 29th, 1988, opposite reruns of New Heart and Alf. Um, I, you know what? 1988, I would have been watching Alf. On a Monday? Yeah, you'd have been watching Alf. But uh, yeah, this is uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone, a lot of people think that Sharon Stone was like sort of custom made shortly before... Like Total Recall, <laughs> like like maybe Paul Total Verhoeven Recall. built her in a lab. Somewhere. Yeah, like because yeah. between Total Recall and Basic Instinct, that was her like big breakout. Mm-hmm. And I know at the time I heard people call her an overnight success. She worked no, her she, ass off. She's one of those people who yeah it took like fifteen years of hard work to become an overnight success. And she was starring in some movies. She was uh, what was she in? She was, was in Alan the Quartermain movies. Yep, uh, she was in Deadly Blessing, a uh, Wes right, Craven right, movie right. about evil Mennonites, which <laughs> is not a good movie. <laughs> it's a really bad but film. She she's totally professional, and she yeah. threw herself into all the roles. She never camped it up, and here she's playing it totally straight. And I think it's what the part needs. She lends the bedrock to this because she's the boss that uh, has to give all the exposition mm. and set up all the plot. It's not a very interesting role, but she's Sharon Stone, so yeah. she also brings some personality to it as well, well. I like I like her in this. The thing that I think is great about Sharon Stone, and I think it's something that Paul Verhoeven absolutely understood, mm. and I think it's I think it's easy to tell why Paul Verhoeven was the one who made her a movie star. Not that she didn't do the work, but like it was his films. Mm. Uh, because he understood that Sharon Stone has chemistry with everyone. <laughs> like, she, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't matter what the actor opposite her is doing. Mm. She can make it seem like they were destined to be together. <laughs> and that's a hard thing to a do. a plank of wood or whatever. Mr. G- who was Ginty? Who was it? Ginty? Oh, uh, wasn't the paper uh, chase guy? Wasn't it's he? It's just the paper chase guy. It's the paper from chase Warrior guy. Warrior of the Lost yeah. World. Robert Ginty. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't even make a, a, a love scene work with Persis Kambata, the great love guru, <laughs> Persis Kambata. But I'm serious about this. I think. I think that that quality and act because so much. So many major parts in acting, lead parts, mm. are romantic parts because we awkwardly shoehorn love stories wherever we can. Mm. Doesn't matter if the story requires it or not. It's got to have a love story. So if you can sell that love story, that's a really big part of being an actor, especially if you want to be a star. Mm. And I think a lot of the best stars were really good at this. Like nobody looked at a co-star the way James Stewart looked at like a female co-star. Yeah. He was just like he when he looked so smitten without every single one of them. Yeah, look at you can't take it with you. Look at the Philadelphia story. Mm. Look at it's a wonderful life. He is in love yeah. every single time, and because he's in love. We're 
we're in love because we're with him. Yeah. So even though she doesn't have a lot to do, she espouses a lot of exposition and talks to our protagonist about how, yeah, oh, you're so good at your job. We need to promote you. So you do things that aren't, you aren't good at anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, but that's dumb. And she's just like, I know bat in the eyelashes. You, you're digging the whole scene. Um, <laughs> the plot is actually pretty simple, and it is pretty actually, quickly espoused. And it's actually really close, like, it bears an uncanny resemblance to Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, a lot of it, yeah. So the basic plot uh, is, okay, actually it's all in the title, because the title of this episode mm. is uh, the, Brides the Brides of, of Lizard, Lizard Gulch. Gulch. Yeah. Which sounds like a Gunsmoke episode. It sounds like a bad sitcom. uh, It sounds like a really bad, yeah, it's just some, like, cheap Western that you completely forgot about from, like, 1953. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but uh, he is promoted, quote, promoted by Sharon Stone and says, your first assignment, the boring assignment, you know, rather than being a bodyguard for water shipments, which are constantly beset by desert mutants, uh-huh. uh, is to accompany these uh, two mail-order brides who have left Los Angeles, which is now overrun and overpopulated. We don't see it, mm. but they want to get out, get out of the city and just move out to the sticks and get married and sort of have a calmer life. Yeah. And it's a little bit like uh, Mud's women from Star Trek without yeah. Mud. But the, the women have agency. Like yeah. they've chosen I mean, to do this. Much. Yeah, they're not they're not like slaves or anything. They're they're women who are out there to like pursue a new life. Uh, but of course, things go very very wrong, and uh, action ensues. It actually begins with a really cool action-packed sequence where we... Uh, Trademark George Miller chase sequence. So we got uh, uh, a big tanker truck full of water, mm. uh, like like Mad Max Fury Road, uh, and uh, two guys are just, you know, trekking along, about to going to deliver the water wherever, and they and are... they're all driving in really cool, like, mega-weapon-looking cars. Yeah, they're all, like, they're all, like, kind of souped up, and they got, like, weird, like, panels full of fake-looking buttons on them mm. that are blinking out of sequence, and it's totally awesome. Well, they're, they're, they have, like... Uh, Chains and claws and forklifts to hanging off of them as well, yeah, and turrets on their trucks. And... One car like seems to be like a chassis on top of a chassis, like in Mad Max Fury Road. It's like totally really does. high up off the road. Uh, so they're attacked by random mutants. We don't get to know the personality or nothing. They're just wearing dusty clothes and goggles and things, and we, hooking their car up to the truck. We've seen and, Mad Max, and uh, yeah, and so they call for help. They call for the nearest. Uh, uh, road uh, warriors, if you will, <laughs> uh, to go help them. And of course, the nearest ones are. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a funny name. Mad and Max. Yes. <laughs> Maximilian Mad. Maximilian Macbeth. Maximilian Mad Max. Yes. And Rex. And uh, so. And what, what's, what was Mad Max's last name? Is like. Rakatansky. Rakatansky. What a great name. Mad Max Rakatansky. <laughs> Such a great fucking name. Um, that up. We cut to uh, Macbeth and Rex, and they are sitting side by side in this really cool, like, supercar. It looks like the Tumbler from Batman Begins. It does. Like, like, it has those sort of spindly front wheels yeah, and it's kind of boxy. It's exactly the Tumbler, but it's just a different color. It's really cool. And uh, they're having a conversation about baseball, but all Rex knows about baseball is stats because he's a robot. Mm. And so they're having a conversation about ah, humanity. Yada, yada, yada. It's better. Uh, uh, was there some sort of reference to like the robot leagues? Like at some point, cyborgs uh, took over. I think and... they were talking about some some mm. fake like that, but I couldn't get the gist mm. of it. And um, 
I was still I was still like getting my sea legs with the show, trying to figure <laughs> okay. out what the heck was going on. And so the call comes in that they need to go rescue this tanker truck. And so they say, okay, hit it. And they put on their helmets, and then they hit a button, and the car splits into two different cars. <laughs> Not unlike the Tumblr does in The Dark Knight when it becomes That's a motorcycle. Right, the, the, the motorcycle shoots out of the front. Except yeah. these are two very thin cars. It's, yeah, two, well... <laughs> like, they're like cigar boats. Yeah, I mean, you know, allows them to sort of divide and conquer. It's cool. Like, but it, yeah, they, I'm they, you, it feels they, like Megaforce, though, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like some... It feels like Megaforce, but, you know, not hella awful. <laughs> but, like, Megaforce was but Yeah, those, designed, those, those yeah. kind of cool cars. If you don't know you. what Megaforce is, I realize that not everyone does. Megaforce was a movie directed by Hal Needham, who was big, very famous for doing big stunt movies. They'd Smokey mm-hmm. and the Bandit. Yeah. And he did basically... The first movie version of G.I. Joe. It was like but this, didn't call it G.I. Joe. It was called Megaforce. It was this, yeah, multinational freelance military operation. With uh, high-tech gadgets yeah, called and Megaforce. Cool yeah, they had and... the big underground labs and super doctors working on the you know, secret weapons. And, of course, there were super bad guys that they were fighting. And hey, Persis Combata was in it, so this is all coming Persis full Combata was, yeah, like sort of the scientist brought in to examine Megaforce. Megaforce was led by Barry Bostwick. Action hero Action hero Barry Bostwick from the Rocky Horror Picture Show sporting a blonde beard, a flesh-colored skin-tight spandex costume, a black headband, and hair that stood up at least, a, like, was quaffed up about a half foot above his head. He looks like a comic book character. Like, a yeah. lot of comic book characters had that basic look at the well, time. Well, and the, the whole movie has sort of a comic book vibe to it. It's really yeah. sort of, you know, vehicle fetish, super-powered, everybody's really confident and capable. It's all designed to sell toys. Michael Beck was in it. Yeah. Uh... I want to love Megaforce so much more than I actually love Megaforce. Oh, yeah, Megaforce is... We, we discovered Megaforce by accident, and that helped. So, okay, yeah, we, we didn't come to it after the cult had already been established. I know. The cult had been established. Everyone's like, you haven't seen Megaforce? I'm like, no, I missed that. So I watched it, and I'm like, okay, I think if I was five, I would have dug it, but no, this isn't, this isn't working for me. <laughs> um, this, like... 2005 Badlands, this is my Megaforce. Like, I'm way more into this. Okay, well, this is way better than Megaforce. It's actually really enjoyable. So our heroes speed along, and there's this really cool sequence. Everyone's climbing on cars and shooting at each other, and, like, the robot's mini car blows up, and his arm flies everywhere, and he can't find it, and he's like, no, that's the best arm I ever had. Find me that arm. (laughs) It's like, I'll get you a new one. No! Hmm. I'm attached to it. Yeah, the, the hero during the chase sequence gets up on top of like an act. It's a good stunt, like an, an actual moving truck, and just sort of runs along and jumps into the cab and saves the driver. And yeah. it, it's, it's all neat. it's all really impressive. Yeah, it's it's the kind of shit that you would go to for a George Miller joint. And I was so excited to be watching this. Like, wow, here's this like missing George Miller Mad Max. Like, TV movie slash TV series. Like, we almost had basically a Mad Max TV series Mm. from the great George Miller. And then I looked it up on IMDb, and it was directed by a different George Miller. It's not George... It's not the same George Miller! It's so weird! All of this Mad Max stuff... It's all these parallels that to Mad Max Fury Road, you think, like, George Miller... Mad Max Fury Road George Miller... Let's call him George Miller One. Yeah, was taking these like, like recycling ideas that he had for this TV pilot and just sort of expanding on them for his his movie years later. Like the narrative wrote itself. I was like, I love finding missing links. You mm-hmm. know, just these movies and TV shows that just like, oh, I've, now that I know that that exists, mm-hmm. it explains so much. 
Like, I just, it never occurred to me that there was, like, some little gateway between this part of this person's career and this part mm. of this person's career. And I thought we had found one for George Miller. And it turns out, yeah, George Miller is not an uncommon name. <laughs> and this is not an unfamous George Miller. He's, he's done a lot of movies and TV. He's done a lot of um, pretty well-regarded 90s kid flicks. Mm-hmm. He did um, The NeverEnding Story 2, the next chapter. Uh, I've seen it. It, it. You know what? You know what? Compared <laughs> uh, to Neverending Story three, it's a masterpiece. Not fair. All right, he did the. Uh, was it a the, seal movie? It Andre. Was Andre. It was a seal. I did Zeus and Roxanne, which was about uh, a dog who befriends a dolphin. And you know what? I've seen that movie. It's quite charming. A dog could fall in love with a dolphin, but where would they live? But that's. Uh, act, but seriously, though, Zeus and Zeus and Roxanne. That's that's actually right. a cute little movie. He did. Uh, yeah, a movie called The Great Elephant Escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did he, one that looks really terrible called. Cybermutt. Um, <laughs> he did a the Pierce Brosnan version of Robinson Crusoe, mm-hmm. which I think I saw. And he did a, a movie called Frozen Assets, which I think uh, Roger Ebert once called one of the worst movies ever made. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing he did, um, I, I, he apparently is still alive, but he hasn't directed since 2005's TV movie Attack of the Sabretooth. Well, but he had already made his way up to 2005 with 2005 Badlands 2005. You know what? That's a good point, actually. I bet, I bet they tie in together. Um, uh, it's 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 like Finnegan's Wake. It's all circular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's probably most famous for uh, his most famous movie is The Man from Snowy River, which is a mm. uh, very well respected Australian western. So. So it, is, is he also an Aussie? This George Miller, I didn't get that. Uh, he's from the UK, but he worked in Australia a lot. Okay, then maybe that's... he was raised in Australia. I don't know, but he's born in the UK. That's what IMDb says. God, I, I bet like one broke off of the other. I, like, yeah, I actually there was, tra- there was one George Miller at one point. I tried to do some research. I was just like, I need to find some supplemental material on this because what if IMDb is wrong? What if Wikipedia just sort of, is wrong uh-huh. and just this George Miller got the wrong credit and vice versa? Uh-huh. Because this feels like it means working on a TV budget. It feels like George Miller would do this. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, it, it, it has a lot of the same visual cues. As, I, mean, I guess yeah. Mad Max and The Road Warrior were sort of part of the film vernacular at that point. So if you're going to do a post-apocalyptic car chase, it's probably going to look a little bit but, like, like that. But imagine, imagine, <clears throat> imagine, just, just for the sake of... I mean, I realize George Miller is not that uncommon a name. But let's just, for the sake of argument, mm. just say that uh, your name was Michael Bay. Okay. And you wanted to make movies, and you mm. didn't change your name, and you just called yourself Michael Bay... And then you were asked to do a TV series about robots that turn into cars. That would be a little odd, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that yeah. be weird? Wouldn't you say to yourself, well, I mean, I'd be foolish well, to turn down the job, but this is really going to mislead some people. There are a few weird coincidences like that. I remember when um, that not very good, uh, the Time Machine movie came out in like the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. And that was directed by a director named Simon Wells. Wells? H.G. Wells. Right. Turns out he was H.G. Wells' grandson. Yeah. That's a little weird. That's a coincidence. That's a little coincidence. Yeah. I don't hate that movie. I, 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 the George Powell one's so much better, but there's the actually a couple, one couple of better. neat ideas. I, I, I like one. the book much better, but uh, I, I like I like Stan Winston's time machine in that new one. The actual really cool. the actual machine is really cool. I liked Orlando Jones, and I really liked. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Jeremy Irons shows up as like a subterranean Cenobite. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. Uh, Greg Proops describes it very well. There's a scene where like the hero is played by Guy Pierce is like stalking through caves and he sees this pale figure with long white hair and a, like a leather fetish outfit crouching in a cave <laughs> and it's Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons looks up and just says, do I surprise you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, on top of it all, I, I honestly am not 100% sure which character this is. Mm. I think it's like, they, they mean like an old prospector or something. Yeah, like he's, some an old, oh, he's, he's an old hippie. Okay, like, oh, they, that's they, it. Yeah, they describe him as like, and yeah, one time, like many years ago in the 1960s, these free free love people broke off some from society. And it, yeah, it's just this wastoid hippie old guy who's yeah. like long gray beard. Okay, so you know who played that guy? Was it Buck Flower? It was Hugh Keysburn. Who is Hugh Keysburn? He played a Morton Joe in Mad Max Fury Road. You gotta be freaking kidding he me. He played Toe Cutter in Mad Max. Different characters played by the same actor. <laughs> God damn it. Isn't that weird? Okay, you there's... would so be forgiven for thinking it's the same George Miller. George. Okay, George. Either George. Both of you. I know you're listening. If you're not listening, <laughs> I know someone who knows you is listening. <laughs> Could you ask... If, like, there's some weird shenanigans going on here where, like... This has got to be some sort of weird prank. Like, like a Freaky Friday thing where you, like, switched bodies or something? Maybe they're, like, they're both named George Miller and they occasionally direct each other's movies, but, like, they jumble up the credit. As far as we know, this George Miller also did Fury Road. They could just be mixing them up for, for funsies. I suppose that's Just to true. play a prank on, on the public. That would be weird. Maybe maybe there is only one George Miller, and he just wants to direct different kinds of movies, so yeah. came up with a pseudonym, but just to screw with everybody, it's his own name. It's like when... Uh, uh, oh, God, that's, that'd be so fucking meta. <laughs> that'd be so fucking meta. That's so weird. Okay, anyway, moving on. Uh, so the episode continues Remember, remember when Paul Anderson had to start going as Paul W.S. Anderson? Just because so people that didn't young upstart Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson? Yeah, Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson came second. Yeah. <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson was already working. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson as, ruined that. And he was credited as Paul Anderson. Yeah. He had to add the W.S. to... to Set him apart. You'd think Paul Thomas Anderson would have been the one to have to do all the damn work. So no. the guy did, maybe Paul Thomas Anderson did Magnolia and Event Horizon. No, I like Magnolia. <laughs> I'm not I'm not Event Horizon. Although I am excited they're doing an Event Horizon TV series. I, that's something I always thought was a cool idea. It's a cool idea. I'm not sure what how they could turn it into a series. But, well, I think you know, you, well, I mean, the whole they idea... Always, of, they always find out a way. We're off on a wonderful tangent here. But the whole mm-hmm. idea of Event Horizon was it's a ship that was supposed to warp in space, like travel across the universe, it, it but it would go through, through a another, hole through another dimension. But the other to, dimension yeah. turned out to be hell. Yeah. Basically, or some dimension that was and it comes back with like cell. demons sticking all over it. So here's what I want: mm-hmm. I want the show to be the ship blinks out mm-hmm. and it's in hell, and I want it to stay there, and I want it to be Star Trek, but they're exploring hell, the galaxy, <laughs> the hell galaxy. That's a cool idea, like mm-hmm. a horror version of Star Trek. Okay, straight up horror, like Clive Barker's Star Trek. I'm down. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. I think that's just cool. That, just every planet is a torture planet. I love the idea of Event Horizon. I just don't like the actual movie. Uh, very much. I, I like that movie a lot. Actually, I know I'm, I'm in the minority. Of that. I've given it five chances. You don't. You don't have to I've, like it. I feel There's, like I've given you it are, enough. You are under no obligation to ever like any feature film. Well, I, I, if people I love mm-hmm. like it more than me, mm-hmm. I'll give it another chance if yeah, the opportunity yeah. rolls around. But if I've tried it five times. No, I gave it my. I gave it a college shot. I, <laughs> we're done with Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to 2005, Badlands 2005. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's... Well, I, I guess we kind of covered the plot. The, no, the mail-order the... brides are, are delivered. 
Uh, there's been a lot. Yeah, of there's talk not of, like a lot of. There's not like a big trek. They just well, kind of drive there, there and they have one, they, one, they camp out one night. Yeah, there's a significant scene where they camp out and uh, and Mad Max bonds with with Furiosa, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they kind of like kind of fall not fall in love, but they sort of develop a regard and understand one another. And she starts to doubt her decisions. They drop him off at this sort of little podunk nothing place. And they say, oh, we're your new husbands. Okay, bye. And they leave. Um, but of course, there's something up. So there's some sort of mystery. Yeah. Turns out the the people, the the husbands that they dropped off the brides with, were actually gangsters in disguise who were trying to take control of the water. Uh, the brides, by the way, are played by uh, Deborah Engel. Uh, who had a lot of bit roles. Probably her most famous role was she had a recurring gig as uh, Rue McClanahan's daughter on Golden Girls. Okay. Uh, And also the other one is played by Caitlin Ohini, who is very recognizable. Uh, She starred in Tales of the Gold Monkey, which we keep dancing around and still haven't actually done yet. Uh, She played the uh, English teacher who gets seduced in 3 o'clock high. Oh, no kidding. Okay, yeah, 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 God, I love 3 o'clock. I like <laughs> uh, she was in a failed uh, TV series about uh, sort of a fairy tale sitcom show called The Charmings. Um, mm. She was in a Midsummer Night's Sex comedy. Mm. So, And she was in the horror movie He Knows You're Alone, which was the cinematic debut of Tom Hanks. That's right. So uh, if you if you follow yeah. like movies and TV from like the eighties, you've seen her around. Yeah, Kate, Caitlin O'Heaney has a, a foundation called Caitlin. Okay, uh, that, which that would make you know, sense. Gives money to the disenfranchised, and she nice. also has a fragrance called Caitlin. <laughs> I want, you can buy and or I guess could at least one point buy. Does, does it smell like her, or does it like? Do you know what it smells like? I have no idea. I, okay. just, I was just looking up a little info on her, and she has she's named everything after her. They're all called Caitlin. Well, good for. And her. if I see a bottle of Caitlin, I'm going to buy a bottle in her Please honor. Do. After seeing Badlands 2005. Uh, yeah. So the twist is, uh, you know, they drop him off with these dudes, and the dudes are just like, "Oh, good, our wives are here. Mm. Hey, you and guys should go." And then to, they go. And to the show's credit, they're not like lascivious or sexist about it at all. It's just, yeah. oh, and there's a little, a little awkward. There's I'm a little glad, forward. Glad hey, some... give your husband a kiss. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, but it's not like you know we're gonna go and have sex in the next room right now. It's no, like it's just not prurient. A little little kiss on the cheek. It's yeah. Our, that's all. Our that's heroes all. leave, yeah. and uh, no sooner do they leave do they go into like the building and they see that the actual husbands have been tied up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we cut to the car where Macbeth and Rex are talking, and they Macbeth is just like. I have a hunch there's something off there. And Rex is just like, everything seemed to go normally. And uh, Macbeth is like, no, like they were really kind of like weirdly unemotional about it. Like they weren't nervous. They weren't overly excited, even though they've been alone in the desert for a really long time. Like it was so professional that it has ceased to be plausible and we should go back and check it out. And it turns out that the leader of the guys who were kidnapping everybody mm. is this wanted criminal who recently had plastic surgery. He probably would have been the big bad of the show. Yeah. And it turns out on top of everything uh, that Caitlin is his sister. And they, yeah, they, they, they were plotting all this from the top, yeah. from the start, to get a hostage. Yeah, to seems do pl- bad guy stuff. Seems pretty elaborate just to get a hostage, but, you know. I, I guess, I mean. Well, I, it was also a way to smuggle her out of the city and get her out, too. I think that's what the yeah. idea was. It was like it was like a twofer. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so our heroes 
team up with the hostages and they stage a big battle. It's a cool mm-hmm. battle. Over the course of the battle, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Miguel Ferrer uh, gets flayed. He, he, yeah, they, they shoot him a bunch and then they uh, they just blow his skin off. And then during the climax, oh gosh, I love this. It's cool. Uh, he appears as sort of his Terminator endoskeleton with like swiveling eyeballs, but it's still Miguel Ferrer's voice mm-hmm. and like a little like chattering teeth mouth. And he's got eyes, so like, like human it's, eyes. And... It's a convincing enough puppet. It's, it's a clearly good... a puppet, but it's a good puppet. It's a good animatronic. Yeah. Like I buy it. Like you could have put this in a professional movie yeah. of the time and I would have been like, yeah. It was pretty good. And, Probably and would have been filmed at more, like, specific angles to make it look even cooler. Lit it differently. But, yeah, um, but, like, yeah, it's a really good animatronic. Yeah, they, inspired by a Western that they had watched together earlier in the show. The they professionals. De- the professionals. They decide to ram a train into the bad guy's lair. So there's a, tra- a train car rams into the bad guy's lair <laughs> with, with perfect Tommy and a robot firing guns at the bad guy's. <laughs> It's awesome. It's really it's cool. just awesome. It's really fun to watch. Like it's it's on the cheap side, but honestly, like I've seen movies, like theatrically released movies in this era that look as cheap if not cheaper than this. Yeah. So this is pretty damn good. I've seen recent CGI features with crappier robots. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I the the art of the animatronic robot is mm. underappreciated, and I think we perfected <laughs> it in the 80s and it's just been downhill ever since. Yeah. They save the day. They uh, they fight all the bad guys, and then in the end, they come back to Sharon Stone and Perfect Tommy. is like, um, yeah, I don't want to do the whole uh, get a new job thing. And Sharon Stone is just like, cool, me either. It's like, yeah, series, you're, yeah, you're, sure. You're, you're better being sort of like the the handsome rogue who helps people out here in the desert, and it's cheaper to shoot out here anyway. Yeah, that's kind of it. It's a really yeah. efficient pilot, but mm-hmm. it's neat. It it and again, it has that. George Miller won efficiency. Yeah. You, you look at something like Mad Max Fury Road, it, it just, I mean, there's a lot of detail in it. There's a lot mm-hmm. of all this crazy stuff going on in that movie, but the story is really straightforward and they just literally cut to the chase. Yeah. The whole movie's a chase. Mostly, yeah. Oh. They, they take a few, there's a fun bit in the middle where um, Perfect Tommy and the robot and the mail order brides, they have to like st- stay overnight and camp in the desert. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the brides tries to come on direct without realizing oh, right. that he's a robot. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where like Macbeth and uh, Caitlin are having a conversation. And then you hear a scream. And then like Rex is like trying to put his pants back on because I guess she tried to be really forward yeah, I think and she... didn't realize he had a robot penis. Well, she even says in the car while they're being transported, it's like, well, I'm not a married woman yet. And I think you're really like, she's just it's like, oh, can, she's I, a flirt. can I bone one more time before I get married, please? And yeah. doesn't realize that he's a cyborg and he's a little too shy to mention it. Yeah. You can tell like, it's really awkward for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's efficient. I I, uh, I have theories about why this got canceled. Well, it looks like it might have been too expensive. You can't That's do my chases on that level every week. No, I think, obviously you really go nuts for your pilot, but then you scale it back. The thing is, though, is if you scale this show too far back, do you have a show? Yeah, I don't want to see... You need a lot of vehicle fetish, just like stuff out on the road of things shooting at yeah, each other. We need action every single week in this, and if we can't afford to do action every single week in this, I do not want like the majority of the episodes of Badlands 2005 mm. to be about like, oh, there's a poker tournament at camp this week. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you do that <laughs> once, do, maybe. Do, but do that like... once or twice a season. But yeah, but yeah. We, we want mostly action. We want new characters. We want a, lo- a lot of weird vehicles. I want a lot of weird like 
gangs of mm. like post-apocalyptic warriors who they each have a like, different theme. Yeah, and they, all, they all look like members of the split ends. I want yeah. I want cult members who want to do like human sacrifices to their nuclear bomb god. What, I want to. What you what you want is blood drive. I, I do want blood drive very very much. I want blood drive, but I want it like like a, a friendly TV version. Yeah, of I blood want drive, I want yeah. like the 1980s version of blood drive where it's really sincere. Yeah, I love Blood Drive to death, but it's manic and it's self-aware, and I don't want that for this. This show yeah. needed to be Mad Max every week, which is a good idea. Mm. Um, just to give it a little bit of structure, he works for somebody, well, and he has a responsibilities. Yeah, yeah you know? you can, and also you can't have sort of like this silent, roguish loner like Mad Max at the center of a show. I mean, you, you need can, someone, but every uh, episode's going to be him coming to a new town, making no uh, lasting alliances exactly. or friends, and then leaving, which is something that has been done on television, that's, that's, but it doesn't really ren- work in a serialized format. It, no, I mean, it does. It's renegade, but... Uh, or, well, I mean, or MacGyver, but like the thing mm. is, is that they do have structure in their lives. Yeah. Like, MacGyver goes to a new place every single week, month as well. I mean, the original MacGyver, the new one, has a team that supports him. But, <laughs> like, the original MacGyver, he would go to a different place every single month. But the whole thing is that he had a reason to be there. Yeah. He didn't just wander in and happen to find a plot. Like, he was sent there hmm. for a reason right. or some sort of shenanigan. But, but I, I feel like... I like that, that we actually have somebody who's, like, communicative and gregarious and kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not, you know, a terribly nuanced protagonist but he's he seems handsome capable and you know has a lot to learn but is also you know, sort of formed already well, and here's here's that's that's the thing though I was like I like the idea of the protagonist he's a bit stoic for my taste but whatever you can build that with time yeah, yeah. give him a personality I think the other problem with the show is and and it's not that he flunked it mm. but I don't think he nailed it and I think I think it's Lewis Smith Lewis Smith mm. is fine yeah I never get leading man vibe from him. Well, he's he's more comic sidekick, and I think that's exactly. why I liked him as the leading man. Mm. I think he and Miguel Ferrer had a really great chemistry. Um, you know, you've already mentioned, of course he has good chemistry with Sharon Stone because it's Sharon Stone. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's just sort of flip and, and casual. I th- and but I think not everyone has good way... chemistry with Miguel Ferrer because he's Miguel Ferrer. Because he's Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, he's, he's given like the ideal supporting mm. cast. Yeah, I, th- I think he's he strikes me as handsome, capable, and laid back without seeming like sort of just a boring action badass. Well, I don't want a boring action badass, but I just feel like when you think about like the people like who were like mainstay, like adventure detective or whatever, like every week a new adventure mm-hmm. show stars in the eighties. They had a little bit more charm than this guy. And different true. kinds yeah, of charm. Like, like, like you look at moonlighting or yeah, something. Then yeah, that's quippy as hell. Remington Steele is quippy as hell. But even different kinds. Uh, Jessica Fletcher on oh, Murder She go. Wrote uh, had her own vibe. It was a very distinctive personality. Columbo had a very distinctive personality. Mm-hmm. MacGyver had a very distinctive personality. It was basically a sexual nice guy. Like it was a very um, odd vibe. The, well, this guy was like an, an old an old baseball lover. Yeah, but that's an old-fashioned guy was his personality. But that's so common. I mean, we saw that with uh, Condor, where Mm. Ray Wise, his whole thing was, I'm an old-fashioned guy. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is that you can't really build on that. Mm. You either remain stuck in the past, and you're an obstacle that has to be overcome every single episode, or you grow, and now you have nowhere else to go because you only had one character. But here's the thing. He's stuck in the past, and he's always right. 
whenever, like he, he describes, uh, he nicknamed his vehicle, um, what was it, Big Green or the Green uh, Monster. I forgot. Uh, which which was after a big uh, panel at Fenway Park in Boston. Okay. And he just explains it and that makes it a little more interesting. He's watching old movies. That inspired them. His old-fashioned interests oh, are mean. actually informing his, his actions today. So he's like he's Lelina Huxley in Demolition Man. Yeah, he's he's not, hmm, uh, he's not stuck in the past. He's using his knowledge of history to aid his job in the present. If you played with that more, mm-hmm. if you made it a bit more playful... What are you like talking his, about? It plays right into the climax. No, it plays into the climax. Yeah. I'm talking about being playful about it. Right. I'm talking about like... I saw this really old movie, Back to the Future, like that kind of thing. Like, oh. you'll have some fun with how he is using things that we at the time consider contemporary mm. as this thing that happened in the past that is influencing mm. me in the future. We did it with the professionals, but that was already kind of an old movie. I mean, it wasn't old, but it was like not a recent movie mm. at the time. Like, it's if you like the if, late 60s, I don't know when that movie came out. Uh, I want to say early 70s. I'll look it up. Hang oh. on. But like, it, even so, professionals. Yeah. 1977. So it's been oh, around okay. for 10 years. 10 years. So not quite contemporary, not quite old either. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's more to go with that. And I think if you leaned into that and you just made that more of his thing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think you'd have a stronger character. Okay. And, I'd and, be fine with it. And can you picture the guy who played Perfect Tommy in Buckaroo Banzai, uh-huh. which is a campy and strange, that guy would sort of play that role. This Listen, guy with quirky interests. If I want a, if I want a guy I think from Buckaroo... I think he was fine. If I want a guy from Buckaroo Bonsai of course you want to Peter play Weller, a cowboy... Yeah. No, if, well, yeah, I do want Peter Weller. But, like, if I want a guy from Buckaroo Bonsai mm. to play, like, a cowboy-type character, I'm going to get Jeff Goldblum. Well, yeah. If but Jeff Je- Goldblum started in this, this would have gone to series. But Jeff Goldblum ha- was already a big movie star at that point. Or at least... He wasn't huge. A movie. He had already been in The Fly at this point. That's so, true, but um, he wasn't, like... What name a name a classic Jeff Goldblum movie from the late '80s that was a big hit? Uh, the Favor of the Watch and the Very Big Fish. I don't know what. <laughs> Did you make that one up? Nope, that's a real film. All right. Uh, no, Jeff Goldblum like he he had like a couple big starring roles, but I think he was still doing like mostly supporting stuff in the late '80s. I'm mm-hmm. gonna look it up. What was Jeff Goldblum doing in the late '80s? He was in Into guy. the Night. Okay. He was in Silverado. He was in okay. The Fly in '86. That was right. a big one for him. By 1988, the year this came out. He was doing Vibes and Earth Girls Are Easy. All Both right. movies I enjoy, but not huge, and this would not have been beneath mm. them. Earth Girls Are Easy is a cult movie at this point. You it know, it's, it, I guess it was made to be a cult movie. But uh, yeah. Vibes, on the other hand, is a delight, and people do I'm, not talk I'm about it. I've not seen Vibes. I wanted Vi- to see it when it came out, and my parents wouldn't let me. Vibes is fun. Vibes uh, Vibe stars Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper. Mm. Yes, that's Cindy Lauper. The girls just want to have fun, Cindy Lauper. Uh, they are psychics. Mm-hmm. She uh, has a spirit guide from the uh, from the other side who tells her things she couldn't possibly know otherwise and helps her like channel spirits. And Jeff Goldblum is a psychometrist, so he can like pick up something and tell you where it's been. Mm. And they are recruited. They're they're almost recruited by Julian Sands to go hunting for psychic treasure. In Central America, <laughs> and they turn him down so they can go instead to hunt for psychic treasure with Peter Falk. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> it is great. It is a delight. Right. It is a really fun movie, and I wish more people had seen it. Got an early uh, early turn by Steve Buscemi as okay. uh, uh, Cindy Lauper's crappy ex boyfriend who just wants to use her psychic powers to gamble. Fun flick. Um, but we got off the beaten path. If Badlands. 2005 had lasted 100 episodes. Mm. Uh, you wouldn't need a lot of money, but 
it would have been cool. It would and have they, been really cool. And there's really a lot you could do with it. Like seriously, mm-hmm. they what they what do they do? They took the professionals and they made it into a pilot. Just take any movie that doesn't have well, time travel or also, whatever and just do it in Badlands. You know, they, they rip can, stuff off. Who cares? Even though they, they're sort of bound to one location, they kind of aren't because you shoot out in the desert. That could be anything. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't. They've only like ten, give, dropped a few dropped a few tantalizing hints as to what the world is like now. Yeah. We've just seen the desert, the Badlands. But uh, there was a mention, and I loved this. This is a cute little detail where somebody said, I had nothing to, uh, one of the brides Mm -hmm. said uh, she had nothing to stay for in Los Angeles because she was a hairdresser and just all the fashion plates are bald now. It was just like this cute little detail. It has nothing to do with anything in the story. Yeah. It's just, why did you leave? Well, I'm a hairdresser and now the fashion is bald. and I I have nothing. I feel like what they were trying to, Pa- uh, pander to here mm. is the idea that the coastal elite cities mm. are off on their own futuristic weird cyberpunk kick <laughs> and the only people living like a kind of pure old-fashioned existence were wow, out the, in the wasteland. The working class are now living in the wasteland. Yeah, yeah, which you could totally play with. Mm. That could work. Um, but yeah, eventually you could go to Los Angeles. You can go to any other mm. major city. You could go underground. You could go anywhere, well, uh, well, really. And, well, you, and you could like play with it. It's like, oh, what, we're exploring this cave and this abandoned thing. Yeah, this was this was once a city called Las Vegas, and we have to uh-huh. find like, and what's this? They used to use that for money. You know, whatever cute thing you want to do. Oh yeah, there's limitless possibilities. You'll never get old. Yeah, never gets old. And uh, and in the end, you can always fall back on. Oh no, motorcycle pirates. Yeah. Cool. Have have a, a team of motorcycle pirates. Have a converted motorcycle pirate who's now a good guy. Have I was, a, I, I was a, at a, gi- a guy with a gyrocopter who's a Joker kind of sage who lands occasionally. I, I was. Uh, I had the weirdest experience. I was. Uh, I had to go to. Mm. I was at a screening for oh. a movie that I'm a film critic, and uh, I was at a thing where I had to uh, use a valet mm-hmm. to uh, you know park. Oh. This idea have to use a valet. I'm like, okay. When the guy comes back with my car, and by the way, this is not fancy, by the way. This isn't like, <laughs> oh, here's your Rolls Royce, Mr. Well, well, what, it's what, like, what here's happens, your jalopy in front of this famous hotel. Yeah, what happens is they have screenings sometimes in famous hotels to make the screening seem that much more fancy. Um, you've been to that one down on Sunset Boulevard. That the really London? Tall, the London. Yeah. yeah which, it's this wonderfully plush screening room that has gigantic soft seats, and mm. each seat has its own miniature end table with a little light on it. Mm. You can rest your drink on it, and there's like a little storage drawer. But yeah, you you pull as a film critic, you're coming from who knows where, you're driving who knows what, uh-huh. and you throw your keys to the valet, and you do not feel fancy. <laughs> no, no, because like, again, you're the you only feel underdressed. Sh- you have the only shitty car at the hotel, mm. so it's kind of like. It's kind of embarrassing. But as I get in the car and it gives me keys and I say, thank you, sir. He just says like, as like a goodbye, like a, like a, you know, au revoir. Don't take any wooden nickels. Mm. He says, watch out for motorcycles. What? 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 I actually like looked around my car, see if there was some motorcycle centric disaster (laughs) that could have possibly be uh, befallen me. It's like, I noticed from your car that you probably have problems with motorcycles. Well, watch out. 
what? Watch out for motorcycles. <laughs> and I realize as awkward as I felt, there's a decent chance that, like, the guy who said that is also socially awkward. Mm. And, like, he just gave me my keys. Okay, give him the keys. Okay, you can do this. First day in the job. <laughs> All right, there you go, sir. Watch out for motorcycles. Okay, but stupid. Why, why did they say that? What, that's the stupidest thing to say. What, that's what's, like, what's that's like when someone though? tells me, like, enjoy your lunch. And I say, okay, you too. To the waiter. Like, you're not eating lunch. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> what's more likely is that guy's just bored. And he's trying to think of like little mental gooses he can give to each of his customers. Yeah, nothing's so yeah. weird oh. that it's really obvious. Yeah. But just here's like your, afterwards, after she's like, oh. here, "Here's your keys. Air quality's bad today. Okay, bye." Yeah. It's like, but why did he say that? Have a good morning. Wait, yeah. it's two. What? <laughs> what? I guess tomorrow I will. I don't always say like, "Have a good Wednesday." What's happening Wednesday? What's going on Wednesday? I just hope oh, it's God. good. Anyway, uh, was, I think I know the answer to this, was 2005 Badlands 2005 canceled too soon? Absolutely it was. Yeah, I want to see more of this. This I I liked the characters, I liked the pacing, I liked the setting, I liked most everything about this. Yeah, no, this is is a hoot. Um, It's never been officially released, but you can find it online pretty easily. And if this is the kind of, like, if you like the Mad Max school of filmmaking, which everything from the actually, like, really good Mad Max movies to... to every know, single cheap shot-in-the-desert Australian post-apocalypse knockoff. Steel Dawn with Patrick Swayze or <laughs> Battle Truck without Patrick Swayze and others War- as Warrior well. Warrior of the Lost World. Oh, Warrior of the Lost World. <laughs> it's a great episode of MST3K. Awful movie. Awful. Watch the MST3K episode, though. It's a delight. It's one of yeah. my favorites. Just all, really... all, of, all of the jokes they make about Mega Weapon just kill me. Ah. And Mega Weapon's in this. Yeah, that's true. Mega Weapon has a camera. Well, jo- okay. Not really, but. Uh... There's a bit in Warrior of the Lost World where they, like, get a whole bunch of badasses together in their awesome cars and they create a convoy to, like, ram the barricades at Donald Pleasance's evil Doom Fortress. And in order to stop them, they bring in what's basically a, a souped-up garbage truck, but they call yeah. it Mega Weapon so well, that it sounds badass. It's it's a it's a dump truck. Yeah, it's a big dump truck and uh, like an actual service vehicle. But yeah, they put like a bunch of they painted it black and put they, a bunch of spikes. Put on a it cool and, grill on it. Like yeah. that's all you need to make it look futuristic. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, and yeah, they called it Mega Weapon. And it, in the Mystery Science Theater episode, they just went nuts for Mega Weapon. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of sticks in your mind after a while. It's like, yeah. oh, Mega Weapon, so cool. <laughs> Mega Weapon rolls over like the talking motorcycle that that they just hated, yeah. and uh, yes, yeah, Mega my, Weapon, the, Mega the, Weapon, Mega Weapon. Because of the Mystery Science Theater episode, like Mega Weapon is now like this cult figure in my mind. <laughs> Mine so, as well. So uh, yeah, when we saw at the beginning the sort of water truck, this like big tanker truck, it's got the big grill on the front. And it's painted black. It's like, hey, there's Mega Weapon. <laughs> this is perfect. We're in good hands. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, 2005 Badlands, 2005. Definitely canceled too soon. I have a few minor quibbles, but nothing that couldn't have been fixed. Um, and uh, yeah, whether it's actual George Miller or George Miller Light, that's mm. some good George Miller right there. <laughs> George good, Miller did good, his job. Good George Miller filmmaking. George Miller did his job. both senses of the word. And if George Miller didn't do his job, George Miller did George Miller's job. George, George Miller really covered for George Miller. And how. Anyway, next week on Cancel Too Soon. George Miller's been asked about George Miller? I, I would imagine they've met. They, they know yeah. Hugh Keysburn. Oh, yeah, they, 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 <laughs> they're they, friends. They both, they both know the same actors. Right? They um, have lunches together. I've interviewed George Miller. Had I known about the other George Miller, I would have brought this up. Yeah. And uh, now I have to live long enough 
to see George Miller do like another Mad Max or something so that I can, so can be on the interview circuit and interview him yeah. again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so well. this, that's it for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you everybody for listening. Big special thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash Critic Acclaim is the banner for all of our uh, content. Everything from Cancel Too Soon to the Critically Acclaimed Podcast to the Two Shot Podcast and a whole bunch of exclusive podcasts you can only get if you subscribe. So uh, thank you everybody for contributing to that. We literally couldn't keep doing the show without you. And we'll be back next week with, we promise this time, <laughs> because we're, we're, we're mostly there. We yeah, just weren't we're... going to be able to get to it like by Friday. So next week we'll be back with American Gothic, one of our most requested shows ever. And uh, I can't wait because, again, I used to love it. I'm not going to tell you how I feel about it now, but it really mm. blew my mind when I saw it when it first came out. So uh, I think that's it. Follow us that's on Twitter at CancelCast or at Critic Acclaim or at William Bibiani. Or, or at Whitney Seibold. That's me. And um, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Yeah.